0: Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Rochelle, who's actually living in China currently. And we had the opportunity to interview her partner uh, just a few weeks ago, Chris, uh, who talked about Africa. And today we're going to be learning about adventures around Asia. And, uh, you know, that's obviously a great topic because a lot of digital nomads, a lot of uh, world travelers. I end up going to Asia first because of the low cost of living and problem. Uh, so Rochelle, uh, to start off with, why don't we get to know you a little bit, a little bit better? If you want to share more about yourself.
1: Sure. So my name's Rochelle. Uh, I'm originally from Seattle, and I first came to China to te- uh to study abroad. And I studied abroad in Beijing and Xi'an. And then after I graduated from college, I just hadn't had enough of China and travel. So I came, taught abroad for a year, and now I've been here for four years since graduation. I'm still here. So uh, I really love traveling Asia kind of off the beaten path, going to places that not everybody goes, and shedding light on countries like China that um, like have a lot of, like, people have very strong opinions about. So um, that's kind of what I write about on Adventures Around Asia, and um, that's been the main focus of my blog for the last five years.
0: Awesome. Uh, you know, to start off with, I'd love to hear a little bit about your uh, background in terms of your travels. Uh, you know, uh, you left the US and you've been traveling, teaching abroad, uh, working abroad, et cetera. So if you can walk us through some of the different cities and countries and continents you visited, uh, I guess Asia is the focus, but uh, give us more details there.
1: Yeah, um, actually before I came to China, I first went to South Korea for a week um, to actually visit a Korean friend that I had. And it was sort of a good segue going uh, into um, to China, right? It was a good stepping stone, if that makes sense. And then, yeah, while I was studying abroad in China, I had the opportunity to go to... Well, I was in Beijing and Xi'an, but I also got to go to Yunnan, Sichuan, Xinjiang, um, and then, yeah, Over the last few years, I've gone to Tibet, Hong Kong like six times, Um, I've been all over Southeast Asia, Philippines, Indonesia, Um, so I've been doing a lot of travel based in Asia. I'll be going to Japan in November, finally, for the first time. So um, yeah, since I live in China, why not travel all over Asia, I mean the plane tickets are cheap and I have a lot of vacation time. So.
0: Yeah, it definitely makes sense to, uh, you know, have a base and then travel from there. I actually uh, taught English in Japan um, back in the day in my early 20s and then oh, I wow. ended, up, yeah, ended up traveling to Korea and then China and then uh, India and then did uh, the Southeast Asia. Typical backpacker route, so I absolutely love Asia. Uh, Good on you for creating the the resources uh, for uh, people who want to travel there. Uh, Walk us through adventures around Asia. Uh, Tell us a little bit about the origin story there, what made you come up with it, and some of the major themes and topics you're writing about.
1: Sure. Well, I started my blog just as one of those study abroad blogs, right? Like everybody kind of has one when they go to study abroad just to keep their family and friends up to date. And right away, I noticed that I was really enjoying it. Like I started writing even before I left for China. And um, yeah, I just really enjoyed writing about my experiences. And I guess over the course of the last five years, it kind of morphed into one of those diary study abroad blogs. And if you really dig deep, you can find a few of those posts. And they're a little embarrassing now. But um, you know, I started uh, improving my writing, writing more helpful information rather than just like, oh, yeah, Susan and I went to here today. Um, yes, yeah, so over the last five years, I've really Um, It's morphed from just a study abroad blog into a fully functional website with information on, you know, teaching abroad in China and, you know, traveling through Asia as well as a lot of personal posts as well.
0: Sounds good. Uh, So uh, I'd love to hear more about your work itself if you want to walk us through uh, uh, how, you know, tell us a little bit about how you find your job and uh, tell us about the job itself.
1: Sure. Well, um, I first started teaching abroad in China, and I taught to 1,000 high schoolers in the middle of nowhere, Ningbo, Factoryville, I like to say, China. So that was my first experience, and I thought, oh, I'll be in Ningbo, it'll be cool. And then I show up, and I'm like, where am I? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just going to close the door really fast. I'm yeah, passing of that and it's yeah. going insane. <laughs> <No> <laughs> oh, no.
0: Uh, and then while Rochelle does that, I'm just gonna share with you a little bit about my teaching journey. Uh, so I left Vancouver, BC, Canada in my early 20s, as I mentioned, right after university. And I taught uh, in uh, first in Tokyo, and then I taught in uh, Osaka. And uh, I was actually teaching for a company called Nova, and then after NOVA, I ended up teaching for a company called Berlitz, uh, which is a famous, um, they they have a lot of guidebooks and uh, uh, phrase books. And I ended up teaching for the actual physical location in Osaka, so Berlitz. And, uh, yeah, I absolutely love uh, teaching and, uh, you know, getting to know the students. And I spent about a year there in Japan. Uh, so back to you, Rochelle, you were just sharing about your job.
1: Yeah, sorry about that. Crazy cats here. Um, yeah, so I was teaching abroad to high school students in the middle of nowhere, China, I taught fifty students in a class, and I taught all of, I guess, tenth grade and eleventh grade. So it was about a thousand students, and I was the only foreigner in the entire town. Uh, everybody knew who I was, and that was quite an experience. Um, But it was not necessarily something that I wanted to do long term, obviously. So um, I actually ended up getting my master's degree at a British university in China, um, University of Nottingham, uh, Ningbo, China. Uh, Happened to be the same city, but that was just kind of a coincidence. And the goal was to go into international education, actually, like work for a study abroad company or something like that. Uh, Then I kind of changed my plans. Now I'm thinking about taking my blog full time, so things change. Uh, but I have some student loans to pay off, right? Uh, so, getting a master's degree at a British university is pretty affordable, um, but I still had to pay it off. So, I ended up getting a job in Beijing for the last two years. I've been working as a college counselor, so I help Chinese kids apply to American, mostly American colleges, also some British colleges. So, I helped them through all three years of high school getting activities, learning how to actually write, and then eventually picking schools, working on their admissions essays, preparing for interviews, that kind of thing.
0: Awesome, and uh, tell us about your fluency. How fluent are you in uh, Mandarin, in Chinese?
1: Um, I would say I'm like conversationally fluent, like casual conversationally (laughs) fluent, but I actually I minored in Chinese in college and studied abroad in China for seven months. And I learned Chinese for like three hours a day while I was studying abroad. (laughs) So that's where most of it came from. But then uh, over the course of the last few years, I haven't really been studying Chinese academically. So my writing has just gotten awful. Uh, But my spoken, like casual Chinese has gotten really good just from getting around day to day. Um, But I would say you definitely don't need to know Chinese to live in China. Like most of my friends... Chris, my boyfriend doesn't really speak much Chinese. so I think most of my friends just kind of rely on their Chinese friends or me to like get them around. But uh, with all the apps and you know like helpful information and the subways in English, it's pretty easy to live here if you just know some basics.
0: <clears throat> I actually found it uh, almost to be the opposite. I was actually in China, as I mentioned, I was in Japan and I tra- uh, traveled through China. And uh, as a traveler in China, I actually found it super difficult uh, without knowing the local language. I think I visited almost 20 provinces, states, and uh, I had a lot of challenges. I had to learn, like, the the numbers and, like, how do you say chicken, beef and pork and how to say say, like, the basic stuff to get around. Uh, But... uh, yeah, that's amazing that you're able to... Uh, I mean, you're obviously conversational now, but uh, uh, like, for example, Chris or others, uh, it is it is a challenge. I don't know how they find it, but uh, especially, the, I mean, if you go to a restaurant and there's no English and you're looking at all <laughs> these characters, uh, that is difficult.
1: Yeah, I would say I've actually found that... The people who have most difficulty with the language, like, usually it's, it's traveling that's very hard if you don't speak Chinese. But actually living in China is fine if you don't speak Chinese because you learn your local spot, you have friends to take you to a place, and then you find out, oh, the, you know, the, the beef noodles are really great here, and then you just order that every time you go, right? So it's like... If you move to a country, you can kind of get your spots, you know where to go, you know where everything is, you have the apps, you, you know all the little translation apps like Pleco and Baidu Translate that will get you around. But if you're traveling and you're always trying to get from A to B and you're always trying to eat at new restaurants and try new things, that's when it gets hard. So I would say, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a weird, surprising thing that it's easier to live in China and not speak Chinese than to travel around China.
0: Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And, uh, you know, hand gestures and body language does wonders. Uh, You can pretty much get by. I'm actually here in Medellin, Colombia, and a lot of the people here, they don't actually speak uh, English, and I don't speak Spanish. So uh, it is a lot of hand gestures, and uh, uh, sometimes it's the Google Translate on the phone. But uh, we get by, and I'm definitely learning as we're going. I actually got a tutor. Shout out to a tutor, uh, Alvaro, who's helping me learn (laughs) Spanish through Skype.
1: Yeah, I would say that the difficult thing is actually, I found in China, a lot of, like, where sign language can kind of get you around, like the basic traveler sign language can get you around most countries, for some reason in China, it just, like, doesn't work, if that makes sense. Like, whenever I try to pantomime something, even if I'm just using the wrong tone... Um, you know, people just look at me like I have five heads and I'm like, come on, right? It's not that hard. You know, or I'll try to be miming something and they're like, what? So I just immediately pull out my phone and translate it. But I have found like a lot of people get frustrated with China because there are just certain things that you take for granted if you're traveling around, you know, other countries that when you come to China, you know, I just, I'll even speak Chinese to somebody and they're like, no, 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 sorry, I don't speak English. And I'm like, I'm speaking Chinese to you, <laughs> like, like, hold on you know so I think you know I think part of it is just I'm sure it's similar in Japan with the school system if you say anything wrong in English it's no you're you're stupid basically so it's you know I had to really work very hard when I taught in the high school in the middle of nowhere to get them to speak to me in class because they were so used to if they said one thing wrong you know they were Humiliated in front of the entire class, so that kind of carries with them into adulthood. So they're a little hesitant to kind of try to work things out with you via sign language.
0: <laughs> uh, Rochelle, I'm curious to you know uh, any tips or advice you would give to someone who's thinking of coming to China uh, to work, uh, to travel, to study. Uh, because there obviously have a lot of cultural differences. You've lived there for you know several years now. Uh, you know what are your expert and you know, local insider secrets.
1: Well, I would say definitely the most important thing is to download a VPN before you go. Um, I'm kind of like that master of VPNs. I've tried them all. Uh, and every year there's a new one that's better than the last one because the last one got blocked. Um, but so many things in China are, are blocked. I mean, they basically have a completely different Internet. And your casual free VPN that you might use while traveling for, like, Internet safety if you're banking... That's probably not going to work in China. I mean, I spent just trying to get um, on this call with you. T- I spent like 10 minutes trying to try different VPN uh, like server locations just to get the internet to be fast enough so that I could get on my Facebook chat to like read your messages. So it's definitely um, something where like I, I actually have three different VPNs and a mobile VPN. So if you're moving to China or, or even just traveling, you definitely have to Google Google So um, you definitely need it to get on pretty much anything here.
0: So uh, for our listeners and viewers who are not too familiar with the term, uh, maybe you can explain um, um, what is a VPN? How can you download it? Uh, What are some of the best ones to use? Uh, You said it changes all the time. Uh, But uh, (laughs) what are are some of your favorites? And then uh, tell us a little bit about how it works.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, a VPN basically what it does is it tricks your internet into thinking that you're in another country. So I mean, I'm not a technological like expert, but basically what it does is it routes your traffic to another country and back. So the closer your server, like L.A., Hong Kong, Japan, whatever it is, um, it basically thinks country. So like if I'm on YouTube, I might be getting YouTube ads in Japanese because it thinks I'm in Japan. Um, So basically, yeah, it tricks your internet into thinking you're in Japan, so everything shows up as Japan, (laughs) and um, so then your internet's not blocked. So that's kind of the the basic explanation of it. Um, It also kind of like masks your traffic and stuff so nobody can track what you're doing, but really I just use it to get around... Um, You know the internet censorship in China and the best ones to use my personal favorite is Express VPN That's the one that always works for me. It works on mobile. It works on your computer I know a lot of people who are fans of Astral My issue with Astral is the Chinese government knows it exists and like actively tries to shut it down and it hasn't been working on mobile recently (laughs) So uh, I would say go for Express Um, But yeah, if you live in China chances are maybe a year from now, Express won't be the best one, you never know. But at least for right now, in my opinion, Express is the best one. But uh, I know like some other people think differently, like Chris is really pro-Astral, but I like Express. So everybody has their VPN favorites.
0: <laughs> there you go. Uh, you also have a course uh, to help people along. Uh, walk us through the course uh, that you, you have for people.
1: Sure, uh, well, living in China, I've been getting a lot of requests about teaching abroad in China because it's very—it's become a very common thing that people want to do. Um, and I only, I guess, really taught English abroad full time for a year. But having lived in, abroad in China, I have tons of friends who teach abroad here. I've been working as a college counselor for the last two years. So I really... I guess, accidentally become an expert on it. And so I've been getting so many emails and requests for information that I thought, um, you know, eventually I I need to separate this into its own site because, you know, I want my blog to be a travel blog, right? So uh, I've just created a new site called Chopboards and Chopsticks. And um, right now, the main focus is a free email mini course. So basically, I'll give you it's a five email course. So I give you all the information that you need to know about teaching abroad um, from like salaries and VPNs to what kind of TEFL certificate you need and internet censorship and all that stuff. Um, and I also send out like really good jobs that I find or if my friend's school is hiring, like that kind of thing. Um, I make sure that you're really in the loop. And um, you know, I always encourage people to like email me and, and let me know what your questions are, because maybe I might be able to help you. I know a lot of really good jobs in China from my friends and friends' friends. So I started this new website and this new little course that I've been working on that's been taking up all my time recently. And uh, yeah, so if you're interested in teaching abroad, definitely check it out and uh, get in touch with me, because maybe I can help you out, help you find a job.
0: Awesome, sounds good. Definitely check out that resource. Rochelle, I'm curious about your vision going forward. You're based in China now. Tell us about what the future holds in terms of the next few months, years, and beyond.
1: Yeah, well, the next few months are really, really exciting for me because I am finally, in a a little over four weeks from today, leaving my job as a college counselor that I've had for the last two years. Uh, Finally paid off my student loans, saved up a lot of money, so I'm um, finishing up my contract, my two-year contract, And at this point, I'll be taking my two websites full time. A little nervous to take the leap to, I guess, like digital nomad or location independent lifestyle. But I've been, this is about are coming to China for the very first time. It only took them four years, uh, but we're gonna be going to like Xi'an and Yunnan and Beijing. And then uh, Chris and I will be going to Japan. And um, yeah, that's the rest of my plans for the fall, but I'm really excited. I might be doing the Southeast Asia digital nomad thing later this year, uh, but eventually I plan on moving to Taiwan because it's my favorite. Don't tell everybody in China I said this, but my favorite country ever. <laughs> and-
0: Oh, yeah, Rochelle, uh, so if people wanted to uh, find out more about your site, uh, the two sites now, uh, the the, the, uh, travel one and also the uh, career advice one, uh, what are the sites? Uh, How can they reach out to you?
1: Sure. Well, my main travel blog is Adventures Around Asia, so it's adventuresaroundasia.com. Um, You can find me there. Uh, I'm also on all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Pinterest, whatever. Um, So you can also find me at either Adventures Around Asia or Adventures underscore Asia for Twitter. And uh, you can also find my other Teach Abroad website. It's chalkboardchopsticks.com, just to make it easy. Uh, So chalkboardchopsticks.com. You can find all the Teach Abroad stuff and the free mini course there.
0: Awesome! Yeah, definitely take a look at both of the sites, and I'll have the links below, right on the YouTube description. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, they'll be right on the show notes. Uh, so thank you, Rochelle, and uh, you know all the best as you make this big transition. I can just imagine all the anxiety, the fears, and a little <laughs> bit of the the little voice in your head saying, "Don't do this! Don't do this!" But uh, yeah, I definitely wish you the best because uh, once you do take the leap of faith, uh, you know things are gonna work out, and uh, you're gonna have an amazing time as a digital nomad around. Asia, so all the best over there.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me.
0: Yo, you're welcome. Thanks for being on the show. Uh, definitely some great uh, insights and uh, resources for people thinking of traveling around Asia, working in Asia, and uh, teaching uh, English and doing much more. Uh, so once again, uh, make sure you click on those links. And uh, you know, thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.